0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. At right, four minutes after 3 o'clock in the nation's capital and beyond, Ron Rivera is scheduled to talk starting four minutes ago. He has not, as of yet, don't know the reason why, wouldn't it be a kick in the pants if they decided to fire him today, after after a week off? Here, have a week to languish around and think that you're going to coach the last four games. Uh, I don't know. Uh, thanks to uh, Scott uh, at uh, Scott Jennings at um, uh, Hogs Haven. Great follow. Uh, in case you're not, I'm sure many of you are. Uh, he found the um, Montez sweat quote, and uh, attached the audio. I have not listened to the audio yet, but here was the quote. Again, via Scott, appreciate uh, him helping us out. Quote, where I came from, it was, you know what I'm saying, it was kind of just waiting for the season to end, kind of. Here, it's like every week is a new challenge, and people want to play for the man beside them, and that's what I'm here for. I mean, that's way different than basically saying Ibra Flus is a great coach. And, and the comparative context based on how the reporter, Dan Greenberg, put it and how it's being taken. And that's why the quote and even the audio, if when I get a chance to listen to that, is is kind of important. Because nothing in that quote that I just read spells Ron Rivera is nowhere near the coach that Matt Eberflus is, right? Now, he's saying the situation is different. And and yes, the situation is different. There is no doubt about that. That's fine. But the way the reporter originally kind of attribute the, the, the comments was, Matt Eberflus is great, Ron Rivera sucks. Which is way different than what I'm reading here.
1: It's definitely one of those kind of read between the lines right adjustments,
0: and that's why this is important to again get clarification on and whatnot. So thanks to Scott uh, over at Hogs Haven. Just want to make sure, uh, and in case you're not following Scott, uh, make sure you give him a follow uh, at Scott Jennings HH. He's very good, managing editor and writer. For Hogs Haven. Uh, So, there you go. Um, Did you see who was the second highest graded defensive player on the best team in the NFL yesterday? Dun-dun-dun! He's coming back home on
1: december 31st i'm gonna take a wild guess and say it's someone who's young and felt like chase and stuff
0: (laughs) yes good well done uh so jair brown of the 49ers was an 88 3 chase young an 86 3 nick bosa 82 4 that's ahead of fred werner that's ahead of dre greenlaw Or is Drake Greenlaw uh, still fighting with Big Dom? I can't remember. Uh, just teasing. God, Big Dom. Please get, get lost. Uh, Big Dom. Got more. I mean, people yesterday are showing video of the Eagles coming out of the tunnel and Big Dom is there. Like, who cares? I mean, he was suspended by the end. Who cares? Shut up. Go away. Nobody cares about Big Dom. Big Dom, my ass. I mean, I, I didn't see all of the 49ers-Seahawks game. I, I know there's this one clip where everybody's all enraged because Bosa gets in on, uh, what's his name, Drew Locke, uh, and just tears him apart, but can't wrap up the sack, and then Chase sort of half-ass chases after him, and people are upset that Chase didn't get there. I Look, he was also obstructed by a Seahawk offensive lineman. Now, could he have fought through it? Sure. I'm watching the play over and over and over again. Um, I I do not think in this one particular clip that this was Chase Young quitting or not playing hard. Or stopping in the middle of a play as it's been titled. So, you know, you take it for what it is. Um, all right, so that's... A couple of things there that I wanted to clean up. If Ron Rivera does take to the podium, uh, we'll kind of let you know if he says anything of any importance. I can't imagine that there's anything of any importance. I mean, what could be important? Hey, guys, we're going to L.A. on Friday night. We're going to have some sushi. And some apple juice. And then we're going to lose again. Which is, again, the only acceptable outcome. Don't don't make any... We started the show with this. Don't make any mistake. A win is a loss. Winning is losing when you're the Washington Commanders. There is no acceptable other scenario. The season has been over for a month. Over for a month. To anybody with realistic understanding of what's possible and what's not. Mathematically, they're still alive by like 0.01% chance, whatever.
1: They say it's the hope that kills you. No, it's the no, mathematically it's the re- still alive yeah. that will.
0: Well, the reality, the reality also kills you, you know? I mean, the reality is that, oh, we're, we're going to fight, and scratch, and claw, and blah, 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 you know, and all this stuff. No, please, pl- please don't. Please get blown out. Please get annihilated. I, it does, at this point, like, it bothered me to get annihilated by the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, not because I expected the Commanders to win, but just, you know, you don't want to see the team you cover, the team you're invested in, you know, get blown off, uh, uh, you know, uh, blown out 45-10 on Thanksgiving in front of an alleged 40 million plus people, you know, the statistical sampling uh, of America. C.K. Grant and I had an interesting conversation before the show about statistical sampling and random bell theories and curves and all that stuff off of the Charles Barkley thing that we ended the show with on Friday from Army Navy.
1: Oh, television ratings, Blech. you like, believe in them, right? That's that was what, yeah, what. that's what we're getting at. Yeah,
0: I mean the system's great.
1: The system's Perfect. awesome. One hundred percent accurate. You know, I all mean it's yeah,
0: yeah. I mean. I mean, they are literally going around and, and counting all 28 million that watched a Monday night game against, you know, Eagles and Chiefs. I mean, all I had someone show up at my house was, to yeah. knocked on my yeah. door.
1: Hey, are you watching Eagles? Did are they you- bring a ham? No. Did they bring stuffing? No, there was just a knock on the door.
0: Yeah, you should have kicked them in the. Mm, then. Well, I was, I was being thankful. I was was trying to be nice. You were being nice. As they came in with their fake ratings box and measure. Yeah, the Nielsen, I I mean, again, for everybody that believes in in television ratings, it is the biggest crock of crap in the world. There is no bigger crock of crap than the Nielsen television rating system. I I, I mean, seriously. There there just isn't. It it is absolute horse poo-poo. And everybody buys into it. And everybody runs around like like the bell curve is like the end-all, be-all. Oh, it is just the worst. It is just the worst. I'm telling you, it is. Um, All right. Anyway, before we get to Shohei Otani and before we get to the weekend from Army, Navy and Dum Dum of the Day, I did just want to wrap up at least for right now. And we will, of course, do more NFL uh, with the DOC tomorrow. He'll be in studio for the full show now that he's, uh, you know, I mean, he's been, been a busy guy. He's been, you know, replacing JP Finley. He's been, you know, hanging out with B. Mitch. I, somehow he's going to make some time for the lesser important people like me and Matt um, tomorrow from 1 to 4 right here on the show. I did want to get to this. The Minnesota Vikings yesterday beat the uh, Las Vegas Raiders 3 to nothing. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? going to an NFL game and paying hundreds of dollars between your ticket, parking, food, beer, concessions, souvenir whatever. And watching a 3 to nothing game. 3 to nothing. Now, Nick Jim Andrew Mullins, aka Landfill, played okay in replace of Josh Dobbs, who was 10 of 23 for 63 yards. Boy, did that love story that the national media just played tonsil hockey with for about two weeks. Boy, did that die fast. But sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. No. That's still one of our best little drops. And it's so applicable to this game. Good pull. Did you see that the Vikings did some ridiculous, stupid-ass celebration in the end zone after, I guess, a defensive turnover or something? And my my pal Hollywood Nick Ashew, who you can hear at night, uh, sometimes here on the Team 980 on BetQL, uh, after 7 o'clock as part of a, a trio, he tweeted it out. Oh, it's so fun. Da-da-da-da-da. I said, you know, maybe the Vikings should uh, try and score a point Before we cook up stupid celebrations. (laughs) And he came back at me rightfully so. And somebody called me the mister Minister of No Fun.
1: And rightfully so. I mean, I will say, cake stand is a fantastic celebration. It is. It's fun. I'm just waiting for the one time that somebody gets over ambitious and does a front handspring off of the person who's supposedly the keg yeah and just lands flat on their back yeah I'm, I'm just, it's gonna happen
0: and, and and the point here being is you know the the defense did this yeah not the Vikings offense but still I mean you're still a team one. Two, I did see a wackadoo celebration that I hadn't seen before. There was – I forgot what team it was. Maybe it was Denver. I can't remember. One of their dudes scored a touchdown, and the offensive lineman got on his hands and knees. And the dude that scored the touchdown, I think it was a smaller little diminutive running back, he bent backwards over the offensive lineman and simulated a bench press. And uh, and then they had, like, a one of their teammates be, a, like, a spotter. I hadn't seen that one before. That was semi-creative. Semi we are starting, you know, I mean, remember the Dolphins with the Tyreek Hill touchdown? They did the, the airplane thing or whatever the hell they did uh, last week at FedEx Field.
1: The roller coaster. I
0: mean, oh, the roller coaster, not the airplane thing.
1: You got to remember, it, it's Florida. Yeah. It's that, one of the true. few things that got down there.
0: That's true. Um, besides a lot of rain and a lot of dumb people.
1: It crazies. And don't forget about the alligators.
0: And a lot of dumb people. Don't forget about that. Oh, can't forget about that. Like the guy who took uh, a crap on the dead possum.
1: Florida man is alive and well.
0: Exactly. Um, I feel bad because we're so mean to the state of Florida. All it does is provide a nice vacation spot for many. Um, But three to nothing. Three to nothing. Three to nothing. Yep. Three to nothing. Kudos to the Vikings, I guess. Now... They lost Justin Jefferson early in the game. It was his first game back in like seven weeks. And he had two catches on three targets for 27 yards, got belted over the middle was a clean hit, chest injury, to the hospital. I guess he was cleared, released, uh, flew back with the team from what I understand, what have you. But think about this. You go to an NFL game in a great city like Las Vegas, whether you're traveling in as a Vikings fan, whether you're a Raiders fan, whether you're just in Vegas, hey, let's go to an NFL game, and you pay hundreds of dollars for the ticket, and you see three combined points scored.
1: Three.
0: Three. And, and those three points came with less than two minutes left in the game. Three. Three points. The Raiders were three of 14 on third down. 202. Net yards. 202 net yards. Tell you what. The Vikings. May still be a mess on offense. But they have improved their defense. They're now 7-6. and six. They're not getting enough credit. For how much they've improved their defense. Brian Flores. Has gone there and done a pretty nice job. And we all know. We all know how aggressive he is. But a lot of you out there, because I run into you all on Twitter as soon as I say something, a lot of you out there think there's no chance, no way you can hire a defensive coach like a Brian Flores or a Dan Quinn or watch what Raheem Morris tries to do to Sam Howell and the Commanders this week. Now, I should watch what I say because, you know, just when you think, the Rams, you know, will crank it up and be aggressive and shut down the commanders. The commanders will come out and actually decide to score points for a change. But back to the Vikings for a sec. Their defense this year is 20 yards below the league average in yards per game. About three-tenths of a yard below the league average in yards per play. Almost... 20 yards below the league average in rushing yards per game. Almost a half a yard below the league average in rushing yards per play. Just one yard, one and a half, in passing yards per game. 0.26 below the league average in passing yards per play. In sacks per pass attempt, they're just above the league average. In third down defense, they've given up a little bit more than the league average. Same for fourth down. That's actually pretty high, 18% higher. Red zone percentage, they are 7% below the league average. Points per game, 18.6. That's 3.1 below the league average. Are we to believe that Brian Flores, because... He went and sued the NFL and the Dolphins for an unjust firing and because he didn't turn Tua tunga into a Hall of Famer in his first and only year? Are we to believe that Brian Flores cannot be the head coach of the Washington Commanders or any other team for that matter? Are we to believe that? Are we that dumb as a society? Are we that naive? Are we that much out of touch? Are we that insane that... Play design is the only thing that matters. Not player development, not leadership, not structure, not a way of doing things that appeals to everybody and whom across the board turns good players into very good players or average players into pretty good players and role players and contributors. That's what I'm looking for in a head coach. You know what I'm not looking for? Is anybody that is built on fancy schmancy and hasn't been a leader before. A leader. If you look at all the successful teams, they have leaders as head coaches. Now, Everybody leads in a different style. Mike McDaniel is quirky, but he's a leader. He gets guys to buy in. He gets guys to play their asses off for him. And he knows a little razzle-dazzle when it comes to offense. But Mike McDaniel wouldn't have been that guy if you saw a younger Mike McDaniel. But working under Kyle, learning and absorbing under Mike Shanahan and Dan Quinn, and other head coaches taught him a certain style. Just something to think about as we embark on the next month, in which you'll hear plenty of rumors. But remember, there's more than one style. 322, Team 980, time for a quick timeout. We'll come on back if you want to hop in. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Uh, One other Brian Flores note. We just gave you a bunch of uh, differences in the Vikings defense. Uh, Tej Smith, I think it's Tej, T-E-G, T-E-J, Seth. I'm sorry, Tej Seth, uh, whatever. Um, He's an analytics dude. 2022, the Vikings defense, EPA per play allowed. That's expected points added per play allowed, Uh, whatever and however they do that system. 17th. Success rate allowed 26th. In 2023, with Brian Flores, EPA pl- per play allowed 4th. That's, again, 4th to 17th, the lower and the better number. And success play rate allowed 7th as opposed to 26th. So you take that for what it's worth. All right. Before the trending alert, Maddie, back from Boston. Uh, first of all, let me thank the great people at USAA. Um, we had Wayne Peacock, their CEO, on the show. Uh, he made a call out to Jason Wright on the air. We should probably, uh, should probably cut that up, right? I mean, we have uh, people trying to conduct business with the Washington Commanders team present because the Army-Navy game is coming to FedEx Field uh, next year at this time. Uh, what a tremendous weekend. Gillette Stadium is, you know, listen, it's not anything fancy-schmancy uh, as a stadium, but it's it's still very nice. It's clean, it's modern. Uh two huge monstrous video boards at either end make it easy. Uh and thankfully that that was the case because, you know, that at the end of the game the other night when I was on the field, it was impossible to see all the way at the other end.
1: So here's a question that I have for you. Mm-hmm. Given that you've been there now, um is it windy there because i always perceived that Gillette would have more winds on the field because it has the through fair it's open on the side it's, it's a, great a little question. bit it's a little bit shorter i've always wondered is Gillette a windier stadium and because of that would it be more difficult to play in it's
0: a great question i think the answer is yes except for saturday there was there was very little wind
1: on So, yes, Saturday. except for the day when it's necessary. As
0: the game went along, it did get, you know, and as nighttime came and the sun went down, you know, it did get chillier and maybe a slight bit breezier than it was pregame when I was down on the field from March on. But it was a, as nice of a day as you could ask for in New England for mid-December or, yeah. I guess, early-ish to mid-ish December. Uh, But to your point, they have the huge kind of tunnel that most stadiums do not have um, that does allow that wind to kind of, I think, normally kind of, you know, twist in there. But that was not the case on Saturday. Um, But Gillette was cool. Um, Now, getting in and out of there, getting in there wasn't a problem because we got there so early. We left Boston at 8 o'clock for a 3 o'clock game. Part of it is because of the walk-on thing. If you want to be down on the field and you know, they allow us to do that. A lot of stuff to do. That started at like eleven thirty, I want to say. So, you know, you had to be in and through security and all that stuff. Anyway, we got there in about an hour, I guess, maybe an hour and five minutes on the way home. Three or back to the hotel in Boston. Three plus hours after the game, it took an hour and forty minutes. There are people still tailgating three-plus hours after the game in the parking lot because traffic is so bad getting in and out of Foxborough because it's a two-lane but small road. It's not a highway. It's a two-lane small road that you have to take to get to 95, and then 95 was all sorts of backed up, and then once you get into downtown Boston, that's also filled with traffic. So there was like three choke points, so that sucked. Well, whatever. I wasn't driving. I was hanging out with my guys from Tampa. I was about to we say were you were being a
1: chauffeured, time. weren't you? Yeah,
0: well, that wasn't chauffeur. I was chauffeured yesterday morning back to the airport. I was chauffeured when I arrived in Boston on Thursday night, because I'm a big swing you know what. Brewster. <laughs> People can use their own interpretation. Um but uh let me let me just tell you. Gillette Stadium, not only do they have cool Super Bowl banners that every team can hope for, uh, and no team is ever going to achieve like that many in that small of a time frame. I'm not saying that many ever. But not only that, but they treated your boy so well. Between USAA and Gillette Stadium, I had like three cups of clam
1: chowder
0: (laughs) and I had a lobster roll sandwich.
1: At the stadium? Yes!
0: They had platters of lobster. Am I saying it right? Lobster!
1: Roll. I I mean, you're trying too hard, but I get it.
0: You get my point. They had platters. And, I mean, the sandwiches were just stuffed with lobster. I was so good. And it was so good. And that was just one part of the meal. They had had steak. They had chicken. They had breakfast. They had uh, all sorts of potatoes. They had uh, salads. They had... um, this creamy mac and cheese that was on, out of this world. They had pizza afterwards. They had the lobster roll sandwiches. They had roast beef turkey sandwiches. They had so much food, it was coming out of your ears. I don't know if they do that every game, but kudos to Gillette Stadium Craft Sports and Entertainment for taking care of your boy and the media. Man, did they hit it out of the park. <gasps> and the village connected to Gillette Stadium is, a get- I'm telling you, everything that the commanders are going to want, and need to build wherever they build their new stadium. That might, after seeing what I saw in person, for a team to draw that kind of revenue and that kind of tourism and have that kind of entertainment district, that might have become more important to me than having a daily facility and headquarters on the site of the new stadium. And I was already leaning against that. That just cinched it. That's more important. A for revenue, B for entertainment for the fans. What do you hear about FedEx Field, right? There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go and hang out pregame, postgame.
1: Oh, if there, was, your a, there was, was a fun bar getting... or something that just played, that played music after games, Dude, you'd know people would be sticking around the area afterwards yeah. to hang out.
0: Dude, the place I went to was called Six Strings, I think it was. They had an after party for us.
1: I mean, we're right down the we're right down the street, obviously from the Nats. Yeah, bullpen is a perfect yeah. example. of One oh, yeah. of those like now, local places that just like it. Yeah, you can't. Go,
0: the problem is you can't go there in the real cold and no. ice and winter. I'm talking about th- this place ha- didn't have like an outdoor beer garden. Like I that, mean, obviously, yeah. You which,
1: for being football, you'd have to right. have everything inside. But I mean, you set it up in that kind of situation, and people will come.
0: It was literally a. a a fancy-schmancy shopping mall attached to the football stadium, basically attached to the football stadium. I mean, it was literally you walk right out of that tunnel that you're talking about, and 100 feet is the steps. Now, too many steps. And the ice and and rain and whatever, you know, like that could be a disaster. But the mall was right there, and you just literally stroll through it, and there's restaurants on top of, you know, restaurants and bars and eateries. And I think it was Sean that mentioned, like, you know, Victoria's Secret. and what. You know, and just different – I mean, that's what you need in today's day and age. People do not come to football games or sporting events just to go to the game. They want to be entertained. They want to be wined and dined. They want to be – they, you know, they want to have options.
1: Well, I mean, you spend so much money on a ticket. Yeah. You don't want it to be over as soon as the yeah. game's over. Exactly. It's like this was supposed to be a full day, exactly. full evening activity. Now I got to figure out what to do with myself. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, uh, just a great setup. Um, again, hard getting in and out. So perfect idea, you know, to spend three or four hours there to, to, to lessen the load. And, and even then, you still had traffic. But the point being... Uh, What a great, great, great weekend. Again, thanks to the people at USAA uh, for taking great care of your boy and the show. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show on Friday. Uh, We tried to bring you as many cool guests uh, as we can. We didn't get Bill Belichick on. That kind of was disappointing. I was hoping. We didn't get Rob Gronkowski on. That was disappointing. I was hoping. I did get to uh, see Rob Gronkowski. And Bill Belichick was on the sideline after I went upstairs from the Navy sideline. Before the game. So uh, I struck out in that regard.
1: He was probably avoiding you.
0: He, he probably was. He didn't want to, Hey, Bill. How are you, Bill? All right. Time for a quick final trending alert right here, right now on the Team 980. We'll come on back. Uh, dumb, dumb of the day. Still straight ahead. Uh, let's do it right here, right now. All right, two Monday night football games. Tonight it's the six and six surging Green Bay Packers. They'll be short. A couple of guys uh officially Jair Alexander is out. Aaron Jones probably will not play. Uh they're taking on the New York Giants and Tommy Cutlets at four and eight, eight fifteen the kick, seven thirty the coverage over on 106.7 7 the fan and the Odyssey app. Meanwhile, Tennessee at 4-8, visiting the 9-3 Miami Dolphins, who have been off since kicking the ever-loving you-know-what out of the Washington Commanders eight days ago. That's the other Monday night game, also at 8-15. So both games start at the same time. No radio coverage uh, for Tennessee and Miami. But trust me, they'll be playing that game. Meanwhile, we'll have the Wizards and the Sixers here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app as the Wiz Try and go for their fourth win of the year. Philadelphia just the opposite. Fourteen and seven on the year. Joel Embiid and his status is in question. So we will see uh about that. And the Chiefs say they will not give up on Kadarius Tony uh, and cut him or bench him or anything, uh, even though he has made some critical mistakes. Uh that from Andy Reid. And that's what's trending. All right, so Shohei Ohtani on Saturday signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers, or I I don't know if the contract is official just yet, but 10 years, $700 million. Now, the agent for Ohtani, or I guess somebody with the Dodgers maybe, I guess it could have been that, made clear to several and national baseball writers, while everyone was outraged and like stunned at the price tag, to say that a lot of the money was deferred. Now we don't know how much. We don't know if it's three hundred and fifty million deferred. We don't know if it's deferred with interest. We don't know anything. Or at least I haven't seen any of the specific details. If I've missed it, somebody can point it out. Please send them uh, at WrestleMania six two one. I don't care what amount of money is deferred. I don't care whether it's to lower the competitive balance tax or luxury tax or present day, not... I, I don't care at all. I also don't care about how much tax money Poor Shohei otani has got to pay to the federal government and to the state of California. I saw one breakdown based on the $70 million per year that he's only going to net, net, after all the taxes, federal, state, which we know California is absurd. There's some sort of jock tax. I don't know what that means. I guess it's just a tax for athletes. I don't know you know, FICA, Social Security, all that stuff, that he's going to wind up paying about $37 million a year out of the 70 in taxes, which seems absolutely and utterly absurd, right, that somebody would pay roughly 55% of their salary in taxes. You know how much money he's going to net every year? Even as absurd as that notion is? Shohei Otani's going to walk away with $33 million. Based on that 70. Now, again, the deferrals make it different than this. But just based on the 70 million. Is the breakdown that I saw. Okay, because he's going to get the seven hundred million. It's just a matter of how he gets it. But based on the 70 million, that's what somebody was breaking down, I forget who had it. But thirty three again, he's not gonna get all of the, I don't care about the contract details. Nobody should feel bad for Shohei Otani that he's gotta pay thirty five plus million dollars a year in taxes. Also, I will say this. While he is unbelievable, he's also now dealing with a second Tommy John surgery. And he's not going to pitch until 2025. You know what the Dodgers need more than anything? They need pitching. They don't even have Clayton Kershaw under contract. And he's always hurt. And he stinks in the postseason. And they're without, I think it's uh, Gosselin and Trevor May. I might be slightly wrong on that, but they're without two of their key pitchers. Now, they do have Walker Bueller who's coming back. And they do have some other young guns. And I'm sure they can go out and trade for more. And maybe they'll go out and sign a veteran. sure they will. You know, like a Lucas Giolito or somebody like that. So nobody should feel bad for Magic Johnson's L.A. Dodgers. You know who we should feel bad for? The fans. Here's why. Here's why. The Dodgers spend a lot of money on their payroll. They're top five every year, right around there, what have you. They've done a lot of their team building through excellent player development on the lower levels. They are not just about spending every last penny to secure every last player. As a matter of fact, they've let plenty of expensive players go. Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, just being two. Uh, They just let um, Gonzalez, who is an all-star, DH for them, this year, letting him go. The point being is... I feel bad for the fans because, yes, the fans get a committed product from the Dodgers. But the fans are going to be the ones that absorb the biggest hit here, whether it's this year, next year, whenever year. The fans are going to be the ones that absorb most of the hit in, ro- in raised prices. So while everybody runs around because they want to make the agents happy and screams how great this is for baseball and how awesome this is for the Dodgers and how tremendous this is for Dodgers fans. What if I told you what if I told you that your average ticket price and I'm just shooting out a number here for a Dodger game was $50? But because they signed Shohei Ohtani to a 10-year, $700 million deal, two years from now, because I don't know when this will kick in, two years from now, your average ticket price will have gone from $50 to $75. And you might say, well, that's just the cost of inflation. No, that's not inflation. That's the cost of spending $700 million to secure... A superstar, generational superstar, such as Shohei Ohtani. But one that is dealing with a significant injury. One that is starting to creep up there in age. And one that doesn't even solve your biggest problem right now, this year. Pitching. Starting pitching. And their bullpen's no great shakes either. By the way, the Dodgers here, the Dodgers, and presumably Shohei Ohtani, if he's healthy, April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, I believe, are the dates. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm fascinated to see how Otani, and I feel terrible for the San Francisco Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, and I guess the Rockies. I mean, there are other ways to win, and the, the Diamondbacks proved that last year. Teams, the Tampa Bay Rays, prove it every year. You just have to be really, 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 really creative and good at player development in order to create a system, a structure that can topple what the Dodgers do. Because the Dodgers don't do it just by spending every last damn dollar in the world. They do do it with a lot of player development from in-house. But even that is seemingly starting to run dry a little bit. But it's really hard to compete with a good organization. Andrew Friedman has done a really good job there, GM, who came over from the race. Really hard to compete with a good farm system and top-end payroll budget. Really hard. And, you know, they know they're going to get 50000 a night plus. They know that. And they know they're going to be a major, major draw on the road, as they always are, but even bigger now. And they also know the international stardom of Shohei Ohtani. So I guess they feel it's worth it, and then they'll pay, and then they'll charge you the money just to make up for it, or you, the Dodger fan, or whoever goes to beautiful Chavez Ravine, where I have to get to uh, before I kick the bucket. All right, coming up, dum Dumb of the Day, to wrap it up here on a Monday on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. <laughs> Well, you can tell how different it is around here when the Commanders don't play. Nobody's mad about anything. They're all just either listening to the radio enough, fired up about anything. Or maybe I've done a bad job, I don't know. I don't think I have. I mean, a different type of show. But normally, on a Monday, we have eight calls on hold. I don't even know if we got eight calls in today. Nobody cares about anything. Everybody's just like, yeah, fine. It's Commander's Free Sunday. Commander's Free Sunday. Ah, uh, maybe our subject for Dum Dumb of the Day would rather watch the Commanders than what she did.
1: Hmm. It's time for Dum Dumb of the Day.
0: Oh, yeah. Headline in the New York Post screams out, Woman shot in butt after sliding into an MRI machine. Huh? Yeah. An unidentified Wisconsin woman, according to the FDA, went into an mri machine back in a doctor's office in june and she shot herself twice in the ass oh wow did you hear that the 57 year old woman had a handgun concealed on her as she was slid into the mri's tube what The machine's powerful magnets were engaged. The metal trigger tripped and the gun discharged. Quote, patient received a gunshot wound in the right buttock area. A FDA report by the woman's insurance company in July read.
1: Oh, my goodness
0: gracious. The, patients was, the patient was examined by a physician at the site who described the entry and exit holes as very small. <clears throat> a lot of jokes can be made there. And superficial, only penetrating subterraneous or whatever tissue. After getting shot, she was hospitalized and her wounds were treated. She went on to make a full recovery. She underwent a routine screening for metal objects before going into the MRI tube, and she also said she had no illegal objects on her. But because the MRI generated that extremely powerful magnet, mm mm, mm, mm Lord have mercy She got hit in the buttocks Not once But twice Could you imagine Going to the doctor's office Getting an MRI And coming out with two shots in your ass And we're not talking about We're not talking about needles Boys and girls And for that Dum-dum lady You You are something special Congratulations, you're Chris's Dum Dum of the Day. It's time. Oh man. Now, there is no way for us to do a serious show if we're going
1: to go there, Rex. This is not the moment for it.
0: Was that what I sent you this morning with the toes? Rex Ryan complaining about toes and saying that. Oh, I forgot. I mean, I forgot to totally do that. Oh. I mean, Rex Ryan was talking about how he loves toes on ESPN this morning, which we all knew. And Ryan Clark was uh, giving him the business as well. Hello. You know one thing I don't love? Toast. Toast. Not into it. Sorry. Don't like toast. My own or anybody else's. Thanks to Maddie Ice on the other side of the glass. Thanks to Jay Gruden as well. Thanks to you for listening. Craig Hoffman is up next. See you tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock with Richard Doc Walker. Adios on a Monday on the Team 980.